Hey guys, and welcome to a new episode. This is your host, Mohammed, and hopefully we'll get started. What are suspicious features of a pulmonary nodule, meaning what features are considered suspicious in a pulmonary nodule? Solid component in a pulmonary nodule is always suspicious, and this is not calcifications, this is a solid component. Imaging features associated with Dandy-Walker syndrome, complete or partial agenesis of the vermis, cystic dilation of the fourth ventricle in the setting of absence foramina of Mergendi and Lushka, and finally, hypoplastic cerebellar hemisphere. Again, imaging features associated with Dandy-Walker syndrome, complete or partial agenesis of the vermis, hypoplastic cerebellar hemisphere, and cystic dilation of the fourth ventricle due to absence of foramina of Mergendi and Lushka, which are the outflow track for the ventricular system into uh, extraventricular spaces. Ultrasound features of adenomyosis. Adenomyosis is basically endometrial tissue in the myometrium or muscles of the uterus. On ultrasound, the myometrium would appear heterogeneous with heterogeneity more prominent in the posterior wall. There would be associated subendometrial cyst, poor differentiation of the endometrial myometrial border, focal adenomyosis with uh, would can simulate fibroids, and focal adenomyosis is known as adenoma. And finally, on clinical, they would present with menorrhagia and pain, again, vaginal bleeding and pain, uh, which can be similar presentation of fibroids. So we need to distinguish it on imaging features. So imaging features, subendometrial cyst, heterogeneous appearance with thickened uh, myometrium, particularly along the posterior wall, and poor differentiation of the endometrial myometrial border. For MRI, uh, a key factor of adenomyosis is junctional zone thickness. Junctional zone thickness greater than 12 millimeter is consistent, considered diagnostic of adenomyosis. We'll go on another question. We'll cover the MRI features, but I just wanted to bring that because it's so important. Again, the MRI feature of junctional zone measuring greater than 12 millimeter is considered diagnostic for adenomyosis. Imaging features that allow us to distinguish inchondroma from bone infarct. First of all, these appear similar, and that's why we're talking about them. So both of them are hot on bone scan. So inchondroma and infarcts are both hot on bone scan. Inchondroma, typically the mineralization pattern is central mineralization, where infarcts usually on peripheral serpentigenous uh, sclerosis now, infarcts can be bilateral and can involve both sides of the joints. Again, these would appear on the distal uh, femur. For example, for infarcts, you would see them on the distal femur and proximal tibia. They may be bilateral as well. Again, both inchondroma and bone infarcts are hot on bone scan. Inchondroma classically has central mineralization versus infarcts are peripheral mineralization and sclerosis. For thyroid ultrasound, Swiss cheese or leopard skin or giraffe skin describe which thyroid it describes Hashimoto thyroiditis obviously the imaging feature can depend on the stage of Hashimoto's thyroiditis again Swiss cheese leopard skin or giraffe skin which describes areas of hypoechoic as well as isoechoic structures the term for it is leopard skin giraffe skin or Swiss cheese appearance what is the annual background radiation it is three millisieverts. A way that you can ask that is how one millisievert is equal to how much background radiation. So we said a year of background radiation is equivalent to three millisieverts. 
So one millisievert is equal to three months of back, uh, four months of background radiation. Again, one millisievert is equal to four months of background radiation. Imaging features of pulmonary contusion. We do not have air bronchograms. This is very important because typically we'll get blood product filling the bronchi and the air spaces. Typically appears within six hours of trauma and resolves within 72 hours if there is no underlying pulmonary laceration, aspiration, or pneumonia. Again, typically appears within six hours and resolve within 72 hours unless there is pulmonary laceration or the patient aspirated during the trauma or they have an underlying infection or develop an underlying infection. Effect of increasing the anode angle. So increasing the anode angle would increase the effective focal spot size. Again, this is the effective focal spot size. When we say effective, we mean the actual uh, field of view coverage. So increasing the anode angle would increase the effective focal spot size and decreases the heel effect. What is the heel effect? This is variation in radiation intensity based on the angle. We'll cover it more in details later, but just a, a quick uh, seed that Increasing the anode angle will increase the effective focal spot and decreases the heel effect. It's important to know what is the anode angle, so please look it up for imaging in terms of where is the anode angle. To visualize the anode angle, we need to understand that, first of all, X-rays would come from the cathode side or energy electrons would come from the cathode side, will hit the anode, and then the anode would pro produce the x-rays. Now, those x-rays coming from the anode depends, the distribution of those x-rays depend on the anode angle. The anode basically is a almost a circle that rotates and it's hit with from the cathode and as it's hit it would produce those x-rays that we get. As it rotates to dissipate heat and that anode has a small angle on it, which would allow the beam to go in different directions. And we can use these properties for imaging. For example, we keep cathode versus anode angle when we're taking chest X-ray or where we're doing a mammogram. We'll talk about this more in detail later. Again, cathode and anode X-rays that we use come from the anode side. The anode angle controls the effective focal spot and the heel effect, increasing the anode angle would increase the effective focal spot and would decrease the heel effect. Image created by pulse sequence that features long TE and long TR times. This is a T2 weighted image. What is TE? TE is echo time. This is the time between RF pulse and the resultant echo. What is TR time? This is repetition time. This is the time between two RF pulses. Again, TE echo time is the time between RF pulse and the resultant echo. TR time is the time repetition time, which is the time between two RF pulses. T2 weighted image is a sequence that has long TE and long TR times. Leukoareosis, this is a term that refers to diffuse white matter changes thought to be related to small vessel disease. Basically, tiny foci of infarct, then encephalomalacia in these tiny spots, then these tiny areas of encephalomalacia are filled with CSF. Again, leukoreosis describes the periventricular white matter changes related to small vessel disease. If you imagine small vessel disease causes small infarcts, then those small infarcts become encephalomalacic tissue, and then they become CSF filled. So you'll have 
dark spots in the CSF or periventricular white matter. This is leukoreosis. Imaging features for pancreatic isolate or endocrine neoplasm. These are hypervascular neoplasms which demonstrate arterial phase enhancement. They can be very large and undergo central necrosis which would result in dystrophic calcifications. Again, typically pancreatic cancers are hypovascular. Now, neuroendocrine tumors or pancreatic isolate neoplasms are hypervascular which demonstrate arterial enhancement and may become large and have central necrosis resulting in dystrophic calcification. Risk factors for endometrial cancer, essentially anything that leads to prolonged estrogen exposure, such as nulparity, obesity, late menopause, and tamoxifen exposure. Again, risk factors for endometrial cancer, anything that leads to increased estrogen exposure, nulparity, obesity, late menopause, and tamoxifen. What is the typical thickness of postmenopausal endometrium? Postmenopausal endometrium should be between 5 to 8 millimeter. A postmenopausal female comes in complaining with bleeding and the endometrial thickness is less than 5 millimeter. What's the diagnosis? Typically, this is due to endometrial atrophy. Now, if the endometrial is thicker than 8 millimeter and patient comes in complaining of bleeding, then we're worried about endometrial car- carcinoma. Again, a postmenopausal endometrium should be between 5 to 8 millimeter. Any, anything thicker than this, we're worried about endometrial cancer if the patient presented with bleeding. And if the patient present with bleeding and the endometrium is thinner than 5 millimeter, then we are worried about uh, atrophy due to lack of hormones. Differential for intramedullary CNS tumor paraganglioma, astrocytoma, metastasis, and ependymoma. Again, differential for CNS intramedullary tumor include paraganglioma, astrocytoma, metastasis, and ependymoma. What does the term hydrocephalus ex vacuo refer to? This is refers to compensatory enlargement of CSF spaces due to cortical or parenchymal volume loss in the brain. Again, hydrocephalus ex vacuo is a aging-related process where there is compensatory enlargement of the CSF spaces due to parenchymal volume loss. Imaging appearance of focal fatty sparing area in the liver on in and out, out of phase imaging of the liver. So in phase, the liver would be bright. There is signal on the out of phase imaging. Steatosis areas would lose signal. So would you have areas of signal loss where fat is, and if there's an area of focal fatty sparing, you would have increased signal on the out-of-phase imaging or retention of signal on the out-of-phase imaging. Again, typically in steatosis, we have loss of signal on the out-of-phase imaging, so the liver would appear dark. If there's an area of focal fatty sparing, meaning area where the fat or steatosis is not involved, this would appear bright as in out-of-phase imaging. Key features of hemangioblastoma, this is a highly vascular tumor in adults typically seen in the cerebellum, brainstem, or the spinal cord, can be seen up to 40% with VHL or von Hebelandu disease, appears as cerebellar mass with a cyst and enhancing nodule in the cyst. The cyst would be T2 bright as we would expect. Again, hemangioblastoma seen in the cerebellum, brainstem and spinal cord would be assist with an enhancing nodule and is seen in 40% of patients with VHL. Epidural lipomatosis. This is fat tissue in the epidural space. On imaging, it would look like 
fat intensity on both T1 and T2 and follows fat signal. This surround the fecal sac and can compress the nerve roots. Etiologies for epidural lipomatosis include high-dose obesity, or can be idiopathic. Again, high-dose that's the most common one, can be idiopathic or related to obesity. Best view for Hellsack lesion, so AP radiograph with internal rotation with would profile Hellsack lesion. What's Hellsack lesion? This is a lesion in the posterior lateral humeral head due to elastic re- recoil of dislocated shoulder against the glenoid. So if you imagine there is anterior displacement of the shoulder, which after displacement would recoils back in its position. So it would hit the posterior lateral humeral head and anterior glenoid. Best way to profile this lesion on the posterior lateral humeral head is to do internal rotation of the shoulder. So AP radiograph with Internal rotation would profile Hellsack lesion. Hellsack lesion is a sequela of shoulder dislocation, and the lesion is sequela of the elastic recoil or the recoil of the humeral head hitting the glenoid. Imaging features of small bowel lymphoma. Lymphoma most commonly involve the ileum, and it results in circumferential infiltration with variable areas of uh, involvement or variable length of bowel thickening and effacement of the fold. Typically, we get widening of the lumen rather than narrowing of the lumen, and this is because lymphoma infiltrate into the muscularis layer and destroy the myenteric plexus, which results in aneurysmal dilation of the bowel. Again, lymphoma of the bowel produces wall thickening and irregular segments. Now, instead of what you would expect because of wall thickening, we don't get stenosis, rather we get aneurysmal dilation of the bowel. Most common site of lymphoma in small bowel is the ileum.